0: Hi, I'm Wayne Hineson, the pastor of Grace Church Australia. Thanks so much for checking out this podcast. We hope it is inspirational and it equips you to make known the name of Jesus. You can stay connected with us during the week by going to gracegathering.online. So 21 days ago, there were millions of people around the world that made a New Year's resolution. Now amongst the top every year when it comes to New Year's resolutions, People want to get fit, they want to improve their diet, they want to get healthy, they want to quit smoking, they want to get in a better financial position, they want to spend more time with family. And it is not just outside the church, because inside the church, here's what happens as a calendar ticks over to January 1 of a brand new year. People decide, I'm going to get more serious in my relationship with God. I'm going to read my Bible more, I'm going to pray more, I'm going to be in church more. And those are all really, really fantastic things. Um, And so I want to make sure from the outset that um, that is very clear. We are now three weeks into a brand new year. There are now millions and millions and millions of people around the world who are no longer aiming for that new resolution or those resolutions they made just 21 days ago. Maybe this new commitment that they made, it was too hard, it was too expensive, they didn't have time or whatever it was, it just went by the wayside and they didn't have this brand new resolution, no willpower um, to follow through. And it's really, really sad because I've been pondering New Year's resolutions over the last few weeks and I've done some research and I found out there's actually a rule, it's called the 2190 rule. So after 21 days, if you do something continuously, what actually happens is it becomes a habit. So if you can just get to today when it comes to your New Year's resolution, you have formed a new habit. And you might think, that's good, I've made it to 21 days. But then there's the second part. And the second part is the 90, and that is the next 90 days and what actually happens with those new, resolu- new Year's resolutions. Because if you can continue them for the next 90 days, it becomes a permanent lifestyle change. So all up 111 days for something to become a permanent lifestyle change. But here's the thing. I gave up on New Year's resolutions a long, long time ago. One, because I'm really bad at them, and two, because I don't think they have any value. I don't understand why, because we kick over from December 31 to January 1, that suddenly our behaviour is going to change. That suddenly um, what we couldn't do yesterday, now we make a brand new commitment to do that today. And I think to uh, to, to have a new habit form, to have a lifestyle change is fantastic. But I think much, much more important than that is to have something that is transforming, not just for now, but for all the days, weeks, and years to come. And so, here is my thought that I want to share around today. I want you to throw the New Year's resolutions out the door, and I want you to grab hold of a new day resolution. A new day resolution. A new day resolution, that every day there is a new resolution that you make when it comes to your walk with Jesus. And so my message today is called, Today I Will. Turn to your neighbour, tell them, Today I Will. Today I Will. Because I, what I want to do is I want to set you up for success. I want to set me up for success. Those that are with us online, I want to set you up for success. And I think New Year's resolutions, what they do is they actually set us up for failure a lot of the time. And so let's reframe that conversation and let's think about a new day resolution. How are we going to wake up each and every day and go, what's the new thing that I'm going to do today? Because when we look at Scripture, Right through scripture, you'll actually see that God is very, very interested in what is happening today. He is very interested in what is happening in your life today. He's very interested in what is happening in my life today. Matthew 6.34 from the Message Translation puts it this way. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. Because don't we tend to do that? Don't we tend to get worked up about tomorrow? Don't we tend to put plans in place for, you know, the next thing that's coming, the next holiday that's coming, the next time that, you know, we get to do a celebration or whatever it might actually be? And sometimes as we do that, do you know what happens? We miss what God is doing today because we're so focused on tomorrow. Or, and here's what I think is a sad thing, often we're focused on yesterday. We're focused on the past. We're focused on what has already actually been whether that was good or bad. Sometimes there's some bad stuff that we've been through. And that we can camp there, we can live there, we can stay there. Or sometimes there's actually been a great thing that happened last week and so we stay in that place and we go, I'm just going to stay there, I'm going to celebrate what God was doing last week. But what about what God's doing today? What about what he wants to do today? What about today? What is he going to do today? There's a great passage in Isaiah 43 and I just want to dig into it a little bit. Because the Lord is speaking to the Israelites. And um, in verse 14, here's what we start to read. For your sakes, I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee in those ships they are so proud of. I am the Lord, your holy one, Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. Let me sum that up for you. God is saying, I am God and I have created victory for you Israelites. And the Israelites are celebrating and they're going, yes, amen, thank you, Lord. Thank you for being our victorious God. Thank you that we can celebrate the victories that we have. But God doesn't stop there because he knows that the Israelites have a tendency to go, let's stay in the victory that we had from yesterday. Let's stay there. Let's camp there. Let's celebrate what God did yesterday. And so God says to the Israelites, hold on, hold on. He says to this, forget all that. But forget all that. Forget all those victories. Forget everything from the past. Forget everything that I have done. Why? Because it is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. God says, I am about to do something new. He says, something new is coming. So I want you to forget the victories of the past. Yes, celebrate them at the time, but don't stay there. Don't continue looking backwards at what I did yesterday. Because guess what? I am doing something new today. He is doing something new today. Yesterday might have been the best day that you've ever had. Maybe today will become the best day that you've ever had because that is who God is. So he says, don't camp there. Don't celebrate um, yesterday's victories. Don't focus on the defeats of yesterday. They have come. They have gone. But what am I doing? I am doing something new. I'm celebrating something new. It has already begun. The new thing is already in motion. It is in motion in your life. It is in motion in my life. It is in motion in the life of this church. The new thing that God is doing today, it is already happening as we speak. He is putting all of the pieces together already right now. Sometimes we don't see it until we look backwards, but I guarantee you, he is actually doing that because the challenge is, can we see what God is doing today? Can we see it right now? Can we see it by faith? Because often that's what it requires. Can we stop looking forward to tomorrow? Can we stop looking back to yesterday? And can we actually see what God is doing in our lives today? Can you see that, church? Right here, right now, he is doing something. Lamentations 3.23 says this. Great is his faithfulness. His loving kindness begins afresh each day. That is who God is. He is the God of today. Psalm 11824 says it like this: This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Are you beginning each day saying, Today I will rejoice and be glad? Is that how you started this morning? Did you get out of bed, the spring in your step, and go, Today I will rejoice and be glad? Or did you get out of bed and go, Today it's gonna be stinking hot, and I hope the air conditioning's working. Or something else along those lines. I don't know what it was. The end of last year, I was praying for someone uh, in church. He's not here this morning, so I won't say. They're not a young person. They're not middle-aged. Let me just say that they are very mature. I'll put it that way. And as I prayed for them, I had this really strong sense to speak something new for them over 2024 it was really really strong and I was trying to reconcile it in my mind because I'm like oh this lady you know she's not young but God said you know what I haven't finished I haven't finished with her there is something new for her in 2024 and it was strange and I was pondering and I was spending time with God and I was going through scripture I said Lord help me to make sense of that and so he led me to Deuteronomy 34 Verse 7, here's what it says. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyesight was sharp. He still walked with a spring in his step. Are you walking with a spring in your step? Are you walking with a spring in your step? Are you starting every day springing out of bed going, I will rejoice because this is the day that the Lord has made? If it's good enough for Moses, and I'll tell you what, He's got at least, at least 30 years on every single person here. And he still had a spring in his step. You should have a spring in your step. Are you beginning each day full of expectation for what God wants to do in your life, for what he wants to do um, with the day that is ahead? I hope that you are. How do you finish the statement, today I will? Today I will. I only want you to remember three words from our message today. Today I will. And then I want you to finish that sentence. Each day that you get up, I want you to begin with, today I will. And then finish that sentence. Now I want to give you three thoughts in terms of some ways that you could finish that sentence. This is by no means an exhaustive list. I promise you that. Spend some time in the presence of the Holy Spirit. He will speak to you as well. But my first point is this. Today I will... Follow the cloud. Today I will follow the clouds. There's a great passage in Numbers nine. I love it, and it paints this beautiful picture of what it looks like to be in complete and total surrender and obedience to God. Um, The tabernacle's been built. There's the cloud is hovering over it, which is obviously symbolic of God. It um, represents His presence. And in verse 17, here's what we read. Whenever the cloud lifted from over the sacred tent, the people of Israel would break camp and follow it. And wherever the cloud settled, the people of Israel would set up camp. Love that. I love that. Wherever God went, the people of Israel said, we're going to. If the cloud stopped, they set up camp and they stayed there. When God moved, the people moved with him. Now, they likely had plans for tomorrow. They likely had plans for next week but they were obedient and desired to be in his presence no matter what. So they would lay aside their plans so they could follow the cloud in that moment, that particular day. I wonder if we're able to do likewise. I wonder if we're able to lay aside what we've got planned for today if God says it is time to move. If God says, I want you to go here, I want you to go there, I want you to talk to this person, I want you to talk to that person, I want you to pray for that person. Are we willing to lay down what we have and follow the cloud that God is leading, uh, the cloud where God is leading us? It's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge. I'm not saying it's easy. I don't always get it right. My desire is to always follow the cloud. Sometimes I get there. Sometimes I don't. Let's move on to verses 22 and 23. Here's what we read. Whether the cloud stayed above the tabernacle for two days, a month or a year, the people of Israel stayed in camp and did not move on. But as soon as it lifted, as soon as it lifted, what did they do? They broke camp and they moved on. As soon as God moved, the people of Israel said, we're moving with him. We're following the cloud. Wherever it takes us, wherever we go, we are following the cloud. So they camped and traveled at the Lord's command and they did whatever the Lord told them through moses they did whatever the lord told them how good are we at that church how good are we at doing whatever god speaks to us hopefully not as good as we want to be (laughs) and that's okay we're a work in progress and thank you for the grace of god you know thank you that he covers us with his grace and we don't get it right okay all the time but i want to just say that the best way to start your day is to be in his presence and say, God, where are we going today? God, what are we doing today? What do you have for me today? And he will speak to you and he will show you. Begin your new day resolution by saying, today I will follow the cloud wherever it takes me. Wherever the cloud takes me. Today, I will be the hands and feet of Jesus. Today, I will choose to be uncomfortable so that the truth of the gospel can be heard by my family and friends in my community. Today, I will pray full of faith for my community, believing that the presence of God is here and believing that he is the one that will transform lives. Not you, not me, but the presence of God will transform the lives of people in our community. Today, I will do whatever it is that God is asking. I will go wherever it is that He is directing, and I will lay down my own plans to follow His. Are you courageous enough to begin each and every day saying something like that, Church? I hope you are, but I want to say this. Following the cloud can get messy. Following the cloud can be uncomfortable. Following the cloud is going to stretch you. Um, It often won't make sense in the moment, and it requires a lot, of lot of trust. You got to trust that wherever God is taking you, that that's where you're supposed to be. And at this point of time, you might be thinking, "Well, Pastor, none of that sounds exciting to me. None of that really." Like you're not, you're not selling it too well. You're not selling it too well. Well, let me say this. Let me underline this. The fruit of following the cloud is so, so sweet. It is sweeter than anything you can imagine. Your faith grows. You draw nearer to God, and you go on this amazing, amazing adventure with Him. And ultimately, do you know what? You end up where you're supposed to be all along. The ride is just so much better. So, say it with me. Today, I will follow the cloud. Today, I will follow the cloud. Good. Point two. Live limitless. Live limitless. I think too often... We tend to place limits on what we think God can do and how we think God can use us. And that's okay. We've got a finite you know, brain. Like, you know, We've only got so many brain cells. We can only you know, absorb so much. We don't have the mind of Christ. But we tend to discount ourselves in terms of our role in the kingdom of God. So we can say things like, oh, we're not worthy. Oh, God can't use someone like me. Uh, that other person there, they're much more qualified or more experienced or have greater gifts or talents than me, so he's going to use them and, you know, he's not going to use me. Can I tell you all of that's a lie? Because if you have decided I will follow the cloud and obediently and in surrender have said to God, here I am, I promise you he's going to use you for great and mighty things because that is what he is actually looking for none of us are good enough by ourselves that's why Jesus as he left this earth he said you know what I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit the comforter the counselor I'm gonna send him and he's gonna dwell inside of you and he's gonna help you to do the things that I am asking you to do that's the importance of the Holy Spirit we can't live limitless independent of God we're just gonna wear ourselves out trying it is only when the spirit of god resides in us that we can actually live a life that is limitless so as a very well-known passage you would know it if you've been in church for any point of time from galatians 5 and it speaks about the fruit of the spirit i was rereading it again a couple of weeks ago as i was on the couch in zombie land with my illness And I was reading it in the Passion Translation and some new stuff jumped out. So I want to share from the Passion Translation from Galatians 5 and then unpack a little bit. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its various expressions, joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. They are meant to be limitless. Here's what I want to point out a couple of things from this passage. There is no limit to the fruit of the Spirit. The only limit is the limit that you place on it. Those fruits are available to you and me through the Holy Spirit in abundance, in the overflowing gifts of God. There is no limit to the amount of those fruit that you can have in your life, that I can have in my life. They don't run out. It's not like, you know, when you go to Coles at 4 o'clock on a weekday afternoon and they've run out of a whole bunch of stuff because everyone shopped in the morning. It's not like that at all. The fruit of the Spirit don't run out. And the other thing that's really, really important is that we never set the law above the fruit of the Spirit. It says there in verse 23. Never set the law above these qualities. When the laws of a country become more important than the kingdom of God, then the country has lost its way. It's lost its way. Maybe that's the cause of many of the problems that we have in our world today is that the law of the country is supplanted or has gone above surpassed the fruit of the spirit That's a conversation for another time but when you put the law above these qualities you actually diminish their value you're saying the fruit of the spirit are not that important because the law is much much more important than that if the law but here's a, here's something for you to ponder if the law makes such a difference in people's lives then why did we need the new testament then why did we need jesus If the law was so good, it wasn't and God knew it. And so he sent Jesus. And that's why we live under that new covenant, that covenant of grace. And that's why we can say the law is below the kingdom. That doesn't mean that we ignore the laws of the land. Of course not. I'm not saying that at all. You know, the Bible also says to respect government, you know, to respect authority in the land that we live. But this new covenant that we have has replaced the old law covenant. It has replaced that. 2 Corinthians 3.10 says this, The old agreement, the old covenant, was great and powerful at one time. But now God's new agreement, the new covenant, the covenant of grace, has come in its place. The great power of the new agreement shows that the old agreement is no longer powerful. In Scripture, what is the old agreement? What is the old covenant? That is the law. What does it say here, that law is no longer powerful? Why? Because we live under a new covenant, the covenant of grace. And in that covenant, it is all about Jesus and his kingdom. So what I want to do is I want to paint a picture for you of what it looks like to live limitless. So it's about pursuing the Holy Spirit. As I said, it's essentially as we follow the cloud, as we surrender, then God actually says, okay, I'm going to dwell inside you, I'm going to flow inside of you. It's not about the approval of man. It's about seeking after the things of the King, the kingdom of God. And when we do that, here's the great thing. We see the abundance of God working in our lives. We see the overflow in our lives and the people around us actually see the abundance and the overflow of God. And that is what is attractive to people who don't know Jesus. Can I just say this and I'll say it with the softest of heart that I can. People are not attracted to downcast, depressed Christians. Because they go, what do I need that for? What do I need Jesus for? But when they see the fruit of the Spirit in you and me, do you know what? They go, give me some of that. I want some of that. Tell me about that. Why? Why are you like that? So let's unpack this a little bit. What does it look like? Joy that overflows. This is an infectious joy that those around us see and they go, I want some of that. It is not happiness. Happiness is a feeling. Happiness is conditional upon um, whatever our circumstances are at, the to- at that time. I've been seen some people and been with some people that have been in deep, deep grief. But the joy of the Lord is still there. Because joy is not dependent upon what we're going through. Joy is dependent upon who is inside of us. When the Holy Spirit is in us, we have a joy that overflows. It fills every part of us, no matter what we are going through. Joy that overflows. Who wants some of that? I want some of that. All right, next one. Peace that subdues. Peace that subdues. I love in Matthew 5, Jesus says as part of the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the peacemakers. You ever find yourself seemingly in the middle of two warring factions and you wonder why? You wonder why you find yourself in that place? Because God knows that you are a peacemaker. His spirit of peace lives inside of you. And so you get into that situation and you bring the level right down. You subdue whatever the discord is and you bring his supernatural peace into that situation. Sometimes that's just you being you. You being there is going to lower that down. You don't need to say or do anything. It's what God is actually doing through you. Peace that subdues. I want a little bit of that as well. I want to be in hostile situations and I want to bring the tension down. I want to ease the tension and bring it down. Next one. Patience that endures. As a father of six kids, sometimes my patience is tested. As any parent would know, sometimes your patience is tested. But I love that this is patience that endures. It is not patience just in a moment, but it's patience that goes on and on and on and on and on. And I think we need it in our world right now. Gosh, we live in a world that is so impatient. If you're on the road and you're a kilometer under the speed limit and someone is behind you, they are so impatient, they just want to get going. It doesn't really matter what the situation is. We live in a world that is impatient. But as we live limitless, we don't march to the beat of the world's drum. We march to what the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords says to us. And he says, you are my son, you are my daughter. And so you don't need to strive, you don't need to rush, you don't need to embrace the impatience of the world because the Spirit of God lives in you and you are patient because he is patient. And that patience endures, it doesn't matter if you've got to wait 10 years for a promise to be fulfilled. Yes, it can be frustrating and yes, it can be a roller coaster ride. But you can patiently wait knowing that God is who he said he is. He is a promise maker, he is a promise keeper. And so your patience endures no, long, no matter how long you have to wait for the promise. So patience, that endures. Kindness in action. You don't know anybody that says, I'm a good person, I'm a kind person, but you never see it. You never see the outworking of kindness. I think that's something our world has lost us to over the last few years. For the most part, kindness has disappeared. There's random bits of it. I was singing this morning, there's a day dedicated to random acts of kindness. So one day out of 365, we're saying what? Let's be kind. Why do we have to have a day that we tell people to be kind? Why is kindness not a default setting of humanity? We've lost it, but not in the church. Not in the church. We have kindness because the king is kind. He is kind and he is loving. I said to you that verse earlier that his loving kindness is new every day. It starts afresh each and every day. That is who God is. He is kind. And so as his spirit is in us. In this self-absorbed, self-focused world, we can be kind. And sometimes kindness just looks like saying hello. Sometimes kindness is just speaking positively to someone. It doesn't have to be over the top. It doesn't have to be extravagant. It can be, and there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes kindness is just reflecting Jesus in how we live our everyday life. So maybe you wake up in the morning and today, I will be kind. Today, I will put my kindness into action. Today, I'm going to represent Jesus with acts of kindness, whatever that looks like in your context. It doesn't really matter. A smile, a thank you, offer to pray for somebody. Living limitless means that, there's, that kindness is who we are. We don't have to think about it. It's just who we are. Kindness in action. The next one is life full of virtue. I had to look up the word virtue, I won't lie, because I wasn't really sure what it meant. But essentially it just means having good character. It means letting your yes be yes and your no be no. It doesn't mean being good, because in the big scheme of things none of us are good when we you know, look at ourselves in comparison to Jesus. But it's about being honest with your words. It's not about going, oh, it's just a little white lie. That'll be okay. The kingdom is pretty black and white. There is or there isn't when it comes to sin. We do the right thing. We value an institution like marriage. That's God's plan for humanity. We let our yes be yes. People around us might see that as outdated. They might see it as old-fashioned. And I'm okay with that because it's the truth of Scripture. The truth of Scripture. It pleases the Lord. Next one, we're almost there. Faith that prevails. Living limitless is about living victoriously. You have a victory. It is found in Jesus. Every day you are victorious because Jesus died on the cross for you. He died on the cross for me. And so living limitless is about walking in that confidence that we have with the faith that prevails. It doesn't mean we don't have trials. It doesn't mean we don't have troubles. It's not an immunity idol. It's nothing like that. It just says we are victorious because, we, um, because of what Jesus did on the cross. We live full of faith no matter what comes our way. I don't know if you've read the end of the good book. I have. And in the end, do you know what? We win. We win. That's all that matters. We win. And so why would we not start each and every day saying today I will live like a winner because you are, you are a winner. And so your faith prevails no matter what comes your way, no matter how challenging the season you're going through, your faith prevails because you are the winner. So live like an overcomer church. Live like the, live the victorious life that is yours to receive. Gentleness of heart, gentleness is not weakness it's actually the opposite is true gentleness to ourselves gentleness to others with the words that we speak with the actions that we um, you know, that we do that actually portrays a security in our identity in christ to be gentle means we are secure with who we are in christ we don't have to conform to the expectations of those around us We don't need to put on a brave face. We don't need to appear like we've got it all together. It's all right to have bad days and still be a follower of Jesus. It's okay. And in our weakness, two things happen. We relate to those around us. They go, oh, so you can follow Jesus and not have it all together. There's hope for me. And in our weakness, God is strong. Gentleness of heart. Let's be open and honest. Let's let down our guard. Let's share our weaknesses because our strength is in God. And the last one from Galatians 5.22 is strength of spirit. And I'm going to expand on this in just a moment in point three, so we'll get to there uh, in a moment. But living limitless isn't about having it all together. It's not about knowing everything. It's not about being the best. Living Limitless is starting each and every day taking the limits off what we think God can do, taking the limits off who we are in Christ and what he can do through us and in us. That's what Living Limitless looks like. It's about praying dangerous prayers. When's the last time you prayed a dangerous prayer? Do it today. Today I will pray a dangerous prayer. And see God move, see him move. It's about believing that nothing is impossible with God. It's not just about knowing that verse, it's actually about believing it. It's about believing verses like that. It's about following the cloud. It's about a cup that overflows. It's about pursuing God with everything that you have each and every moment. Living limitless is about starting each day, declaring a verse like Ephesians three. 20 it says this now glory be to God who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of infinitely beyond our highest prayers desires thoughts or hopes when's the last time you lived like that church when's the last time you lived with a belief That God can do more than you can ask or dream. That he can do infinitely more than your highest prayers, your desires, your thoughts or your hopes. That's what it is to live limitless. So take the limits off. Say it with me, church. Today I will live limitless. Point number three, and this backs up to that last part of Galatians 5.22, is to stand firm. Stand firm. I really felt that this was one I wanted to expand on this morning, given where we're at in our current cultural climate. Because there's no doubt there's been a shift away from God in our culture. There's no doubt the importance of the Christian faith has reduced. Um, Just generally speaking, across statistics tell us that less people are going to church, less people acknowledge God as creator, and there's less tolerance for the truth of the gospel. That is the world that we live in. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to put a nice bow on it and say everything is rosy because it's not. It is a challenging time to declare your faith publicly. And I am very sad to say I think that's only going to get worse before we see a mighty move of God. I think it is only going to get worse. At best... People will ignore you in public, generally speaking, as you share the truth of the gospel. At worst, you will be ridiculed in public. You might be spat upon. You might have something thrown at you. I don't know. I just know it's not an easy time to be a follower of Jesus. And someone who knows this very, very well is Australian tennis legend Margaret Court. You might know Margaret. She's a pastor in Western Australia. But for a number of years, there has been a campaign around this time of year when the Australian Open tennis is on to rename a court that is named after Margaret Court. It's Margaret Court Arena in Melbourne where the Australian Open is being played. And Margaret is very outspoken when it comes to gender issues. Um, She was very outspoken when it came to same-sex marriage. And just this week, I was reading a newspaper article. And here's something that Margaret said. Over the years, I've taken a lot and I think I've been bullied in one way. She has. But so have we all. So have we all, in one way, been bullied by those around us. We might not have the public provenance, prominence, I should say, of someone like Margaret Court. But in our own way, there are people around us. Maybe it's, you know, family that drift away because we always talk about Jesus and how awesome he is. I don't know what it is in your situation, but I know that it's happening. Margaret's copped a lot of abuse for standing firm, yet she has remained steadfast through all of it. She has continued to declare the truth of the gospel. Here's what she said in that newspaper article. I love people. People come in from all backgrounds. I'm there to help. I'm not there to put people down in that way. But I'll always say what the Bible says. She's copped a lot, but she stands firm. She says, I know the truth of the gospel. No matter what comes my way, I am standing firm. What about you? You are always going to say what the Bible says? No matter how much it grates around our culture, that our times that we actually live in. If there's opposition from family or friends, you're going to stand firm. And say, no, this is the truth of the word of God. I don't deviate from it. I don't water it down. I don't pretty it up, but this is the truth. When people challenge you about what you believe, how are you gonna react? What are you gonna say? Do you know what you believe? I hope so. I hope that you do, because the challenges will come. There is continuing opposition to the truth of God's Word and it is real for every single one of us 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight says this therefore my dear brothers and sisters stand firm let nothing move you let nothing move you always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain It's only going to get more challenging for the church. It's only going to get more challenging for Christians in the day ahead. There's a shaking coming. We're in a battle right now. We're in a spiritual battle, but we're also in a physical battle. It is a battle between truth and culture. We are on one side. Most of the world is on the other. We need to stand firm on the side that we are called to be on. No matter the cost, will we stand firm? 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. Be courageous, church. Be strong. Stand firm. That is why we need the Spirit of God in us. Because sometimes our flesh is not strong. Sometimes our flesh is not courageous. Sometimes we don't want to stand firm. Sometimes we want to run the other way and say, Get me out of here. But as the spirit of God dwells in us and it rises inside of us, it gives us the strength to go, no, I put my foot down and I stand firm. I stand on the truth of the gospel. That's what we do. That's what we do. We stand firm. I love through scripture, there are so many examples of people that stand firm. One of my favorite is Stephen at the end of Acts 7. They're throwing stones at him. They're trying to kill him. And he is just continuing to speak truth and speak truth and speak truth he doesn't stop right to the end he's martyred he loses his life but there and then he had a choice he probably could have said you know what guys all that stuff that i said i was just mucking around how about we stop all this stoning stuff i'll get out of here we'll go on with our lives he probably could have done that but he didn't he said you know what no i'm not i'm not denying the truth for any reason even if it means you stone me to death you stone me to death i'm standing firm on the truth and that is who i am and that is what i am doing philippians 1 27 stand united i think this is a word for the church stand united we need to be united division in the church do you know what division in the church is going to do it's going to church cause the church to fall away stand united singular in vision contending for people's trust in the message the good news not flinching or dodging in the slightest before the opposition not flinching not dodging no matter what comes our way we stand firm stand firm say it with me church today i will stand firm today i will stand firm so as we finish I want to say this, there's nothing wrong with making New Year's resolutions. I think wanting to get fit, that's fantastic. I think, you know, wanting to be better with your money and a great steward with the resources God has given you, that's great, no problem at all. But I wonder what's actually driving the resolutions. What's driving the resolutions? Is it the approval of man or is it a desire to be more like Jesus because I think what we need to be very careful of is that everything that we do, it is a desire to be more like Jesus. It is a desire to reflect him to the world around us. That's what we're called to do. We're called to be his ambassadors, to reflect him, to show the world a glimpse of Jesus, who he is and the love that he has for them. And that should be something that we resolve to do every single day. Resolve every single day, I want to be more like Jesus. Today I will be more like Jesus. Today I will take a step to be more like him. I know I'm not there. I know I'm a work in progress. But I'm going to take a step forward. I'm going to take a step forward because church tomorrow isn't here. Yesterday is gone. But today is right now. Today is right now what are you going to do with today? What are you going to do with today? Will you be t- determined to follow the cloud, to go full of obedience to where the Lord is asking you to go, to say what he is asking you to say, to do what he is asking you to do, no matter how messy and uncomfortable it gets? Will you follow the cloud? Will you resolve to stand firm on the truth of the word, spending more and more time reading it, devouring it, thirsting after more of him and his truth so that when the opposition comes you are equipped to stand firm or as you wake every morning will you start with a new day resolution that says jesus you are lord you are savior you are the king of this day It is a day that is full of possibilities. It is is a day full of opportunities. It is the day that the Lord has made. So I will rejoice and I will be glad. My hope and my prayer is that each day you will start by saying, today I will rejoice and be glad. To hear more podcasts from Grace Church Australia, make sure you subscribe and stay connected by going to gracegathering.online.